All right. What's going on, buddy? So long. It's been so long, man. How you doing? You look great. Thank you. You do too. You too. I've been good. Been good. How are you? Not too bad, man. Not too bad. Um, I post. I, this is recording now, and it's on Facebook right now, just so you know. Um, cool. But, uh, uh, how's it been going, man? It's been, I, I feel like I went to see you in a game, uh, last year, last season. I was planning to come see you in spring training this year. Missed you last year. We were late. Yeah. My son was, I forgot his shoes and, and he <laughs> crap in his diaper and it was a whole mess. but, uh, it's good to see you, man. That's awesome. Good to see you too. Good to see you too. Thank you for coming on. I know you're very busy. How's it going on, uh, up there in New York? I know it's crazy, right? Yeah. Well, actually I live in Nashville now. And oh. so, uh, yeah, so it's it's been pretty calm down here, you know, not too terrible. So been able to meet. There's a ton of uh, baseball players that live here in Nashville, so we've we've had a good little group staying, um, you know, staying uh, in shape and throwing and all that stuff. Nice. It's been do, good. You know, do you know Headley? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, he was. I played with him in the Padres organization. Oh, nice. Real cool guy. Um, for those of you guys who, uh, sorry, what were you saying? No, I see he's got a nice little spread out here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I haven't been up there. I, I was up there for the ABCA earlier this year, and uh, I met his brother. First time I met his brother, real cool dude. Um, but uh, I didn't get a chance to go see his place, but I heard his sweet. Yeah. Um, for those of you guys who are watching who don't know who Steven Max is, get your head out of your butt. <laughs> <laughs> he is a New York Mets uh, pitcher. Happy birthday, by the way. Next Thank uh, you. week is your birthday. 29 years old, drafted second round 2009 by the New York Mets out of Ward Melville High School in New York. That's in uh, Long Island, right? Yep, Stony Brook. Stony or Brook. actually, talk it, but I, it's a, my, my wife is from New Hyde Park, so I think you're uh, a little east of that. Uh, that's, yeah, so I'd be east of that, yep. Okay, cool. cool. MLB debut 2015 at 24 years old, young buck. Uh, went 4-0 that year, 2.27 ERA, left-handed pitcher, six foot two, 200 pounds. Is that still accurate? Actually, I'm, I'm a little taller than that. I'm probably, I'm probably like 6'3", 210 now. Okay, okay. Still growing. Young Buck still growing. <laughs> uh, what's up, man? I, it's, it's, been, it's been so long. How's everything going? I know it's crazy right now, no season. What's, what's your kind of, you know, coronavirus is, is – messing everything up what's going on with you and baseball you heard anything how's how's that all going yeah no i mean there, you know there's obviously everybody's kind of been hearing the same thing it's uh i feel like players haven't really been uh it's kind of like we're the same as like the public you know until government's restrictions come off and stuff i think that's when we'll see some more uh movement there but you know down here it's been great we've been uh like I said, there was a group the other day of about 10 of us guys who played in the major leagues and we got together with just live VPs up in the field and everything. So it's been awesome um, being down here because there's just so many guys to stay in shape. So it's been good. That's sweet. I, I've got to be honest with you. I haven't been the best of friend in the uh, past year. I haven't kept up with you too much. So I had to do a little uh, searching on Twitter to see what's going on with my man, Steven Matz. And I, I, the last post I came across, I saw this thing. You had some shirts going out. Uh, huh. Truth 32 and Pastime with Purpose. And I actually went on the site and bought a couple shirts for me and, and my son last night. And I was reading into it. And it sounds like it's some really cool stuff. You're doing it, donating money to the first responders in New York or all over. Can you just tell me some more about it? I thought it was really cool. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, in 2015, you know, we, we had a good, good run. I had a pretty good season in the, you know, my first year and pitching the world series. So I sat down with my agent and he's like, you know, let's, and he knows kind of my passion of, you know, trying to make it, you know, an impact of what platform and stuff. And he has the same idea. So we did a few different things and he knows how I, uh, kind of respect blue collar workers and kind of the, you know, the service members, military, police, firefighter. And so we started by, just inviting them out to a game, uh, 32 members, whether it was police, military, firefighter, and they could bring a guest and I would just meet them and say hello. And anyway, it started really like taking on a life of its own. And, uh, you know, people started, you know, like my agent was up in, uh, doing recruiting a kid somewhere up in, you know, 
like Chicago or something. And he's, you know, he mentioned that I was one of his clients and he's like, Oh, I heard what he's doing with the first responders. And at that point I was just, you know, giving them my time. And so um, now we're, we're building scholarships for kids who lost their parents in the line of duty. And uh, you know, now with pandemics like this, we're going to obviously help out. So it's been awesome. And uh, it's kind of really taken a life of its own. So it's been pretty fun to be a part of that. That's sweet, man. That's so cool. I mean, you know, ever since I met you, I know you were a real genuine, caring person. We got to spend some time together down there in uh, Port St. Lucie with the Mets in, the, in, the, in that hotel room. Whose hotel room was that? That we were that was on a Dotson's. Dotson. And we just crashed there every day. There was like, I don't know, <laughs> six or seven dudes that was there every single day, uh, which was awesome. Um, but you've always been a great guy, genuine guy, a big heart. Um, and I know the, the New York has got to love you for doing stuff like this. I mean, you know, the first responders up there in the, this is basically the epicenter of the pandemic right now, as far as I'm hearing down here in Florida uh, is in New York, you know, so um, taking care of those guys is, is huge. And, and they love that stuff. And, and obviously coming from someone like you, who is super sincere and passionate about what they're doing, I'm sure they sure they love it and, and appreciate it and appreciate it across the country. So I wanted to do something too. I didn't tell you. Um, I know you might have saw in the little paper I sent you, but I wanted yeah. to do a giveaway of those shirts. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to buy ten of those shirts and wow. give them away to whoever. Uh, what I want the people who are watching to do. If you're watching this, leave a comment down below and just tell us what you're going through, your story in baseball, some of the struggles that you've been through. And I'll go through and pick the top 10 uh, stories and comments and I'll give away a shirt, one of Matt's shirt, really cool shirts. Tell us about the shirts. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I got to give my agent credit on that. You know, he's, he's big into it, it's, which is really cool, you know, because, you know, sometimes the agency could be a little cutthroat uh, type of business, you know, but my agent's just passionate about uh, serving other people. And so he's just sending me designs all the time. Hey, what do you think of this? What do you think of that? And I'm just like, that's great. That's awesome. I'm not very creative. Mine would be a little more simple. So um yeah now he came up with it and just kind of back and forth so it was cool but, i love uh, the uh i love the black one with all the the words on the back like uh, i forget what the words were but they were like motivational you know like hard work yeah. or, you know stuff like that that one looks and it looks good on you man you look good like a model you know i was like who you know because when i first opened the web page i see it and i just see the guns you know from the neck down <laughs> I, open it. I was like oh that's nuts hey all right buddy i see you and then uh the other one says uh truth 32 and you were talking about 32 guys came to the game or whatever and the reason why is that's your number in the big right so uh that's cool what is what is the meaning behind truth uh so the it's actually so the it started with true 32 because you know a lot of kids or whatever say oh you know you're our our hero you know being a baseball player on the field well it's kind of reflecting that towards military police and firefighter who are the true heroes of our community you know so that's where it came that's where we started it Oh, that's sweet. That's really cool. Um, what is, and what is uh pastime with a purpose? So that's actually uh, Brad Ziegler's. It's actually like the official foundation. He does a lot of work with military. And so he's part of our agency. And so if the money's funneled through his and then um, given to true 32, cause mine's not like enough, the uh, you know, people can't get a tax write off if they would do it to me, you know? So, that's why they, they can do it through pastime with purpose. And it's, you know, all lumped into the same idea through service, service members of our country. So that's so cool what you guys are doing, man. I love it. And I'm, I'm glad I found out about it and happy to be on board and happy to help out in any way I can. You know, I've got the YouTube channel. So anything you guys need to help get the word out, whatever I can do, just let me know. Um, awesome. Thank you. Um, let's talk about your baseball journey because, like you said, a lot of kids look up to you and, you know, I, as a young kid myself, and I'm sure you as well, my whole goal was to be a professional baseball player. That's what I, my dream was to do. And I'm, millions of kids across this country have the same goals. Tell us about your baseball journey, where you started. Was it in, you know, T-ball, how it went all the way through, all the way till you got drafted into the major leagues. And also mm -hmm. talk about some of the struggles that you had mm -hmm. along the way that you had to overcome because there's a lot of struggles along the way. This ain't easy, I'm sure. So tell us your story. So it started, I have an older brother, three years older than me. And so I just remember kind of wanting to do what he wanted, what he was doing, you know. And so he was playing, we called it instructional league. I, we never played t-ball for some reason, but he was playing instructional league when uh, he was six and I was three. And I, just, and 
I don't know if I remember it or if I watched home videos of it, but I just remember running around out in the outfield. I had a, a righty glove on my, uh, on my wrong hand and I was, you know, but I had always kind of had a good arm when I was young. And I remember then when I became six, I was in instructional league. And I remember just firing that ball. You know, they were a little bit lighter balls. I remember just launching them. And then as I, when I was eight, I got to, uh, play up and uh, travel ball and that was when kids pitched to each other and so actually that's when I started I was playing against Marcus Stroman when I was eight we were both playing up to the nine-year-old kid pitch and we were he was on the Syag Braves and I was on the three village no he was on the Syag Braves and I was on the three village Yankees and so uh, you know that's when it started and then uh, I was always pretty you know advanced for for my age and then what happened was you know your wife can tell you being from new york you got a lot of italian kids you know what i'm saying oh yeah they hit they they go through puberty pretty early and so i was they got them thick legs too <laughs> got some thick legs they got hairy armpits and i'm here this little <laughs> i got no development no muscle and so you know through junior high i felt like those kids got stronger and i'm staying down here and so my skill was always there and you know i I love the game so much. That's the only thing I wanted to do. So my skill was there, but just my sheer strength and all that stuff, these kids started getting a little ahead of me. And so I would say from, you know, you know, seventh to about even like 10th or 11th grade, I, I still was like behind the curve a little bit as far as like just the strength, you know, like I couldn't really hit home runs. And so, um, you know, I was, I remember it was after my fresh or after my junior year of high school, I, uh, I wanted to go to play division two college to go play first base. And so my dad signed me up for the showcase in Connecticut and I went to go play first. I might like, I really wanted to play for Franklin Pierce in New Hampshire because they're a powerhouse D2 school wood bat. Thought that was cool. I was like, I'm going to go play first base at Franklin Pierce. I'm going to go to the showcase and get seen by them. And so I went and pitched and I'd never been clocked before. Now this is going into my senior year. And so um, I, I pitched and I struck out like five out of six guys and I was throwing like 87 to 89. I was like, Whoa, you know, and all of a sudden, you know, I'm a gangly lefty and all the scouts just start coming to me. You know, I remember Boston college was like one of the first ones in this tournament team. They're like, Hey, you know, you want to, you want to come to the national showcase in Minnesota at the Metrodome? And I was, me and my dad are like, you serious? Like, yeah. I'm coming. And then I was throwing 91 and I was like, Holy cow, I have no idea. I threw this hard. Now my, I got agents contacting me, all of a sudden professional teams, big D1s contacting me. And it was like a blindside, you know, like the blindside movie. We got guys coming into your house and all this stuff. And I'm like, whoa, what happened here? After a few months, I'm like on the mat, you know. And so um, I ended up committing to Coastal Carolina, which I was talking with uh, Brad Rock the other day. I was like, I don't know. I'm watching this last dance show, you know, about UNC and all that stuff. And I'm like, these guys were recruiting me. I didn't even give them a chance to offer me because I just, I loved Coastal Carolina. So anyway, I committed to Coastal Carolina and then uh, had a really good senior season. I, I was got up to like 95. I started, now I started catching up to these guys, you know, physically I started selling out a little bit and then uh, the Mets came calling and they, they had a lot of interest in me and offered me enough money to, um, you know, to bypass college. So I signed and I got drafted in June, signed in August 2009, and then uh, 2010 blew out my elbow. So I didn't even get to pitch a professional pitch, and my you know my elbow went. So I had Tommy John, and supposed to come back in about 12, 14 months or so. But for me, it took me two full years, and so I missed all. Signed 2009 August season was already over. Came back 2010, blew my elbow out, missed all 2010, missed all 2011, and so my first professional pitch in the game was 2012 in rookie ball. Wow. And then, so I uh, had a pretty good year, but I didn't really know anything about routine or starting. I haven't pitched in so long. Then my shoulder started hurting. So I got shut down early. And so then 2013 came around. Now I'm starting to get a routine down, figuring it out. I pitched a full season in low A. Um, and now my knee started hurting. And so uh, at the end of that year, I didn't miss it. I missed maybe one start, but I, I pitched a full year. Had a, had a really good year. We won a, a Sally League championship, which was so awesome. Right. And then uh, at the end of that year, had a patella surgery. Rehabbed that a little bit year. And now they added me to the 40-man roster. 
which was a big surprise to me. <coughs> hey, my sorry, my dog's barking. <laughs> and then, uh, uh, so they added me to the 40 minute roster. I was only in low A, so it was a big surprise. And then um, I got invited to big league spring training in 2014 and then started that season in high A. I got called up halfway through uh, that year to double A. We won a uh, Eastern League championship. So we won the double A championship, which was awesome. That, that was like probably the high, one of the highlights of my, my career because I pitched, uh, I think it was a game, it was a three series, you know, and I pitched game three and I took a no-hitter into the eighth inning. Wow. And, you know, I got to hit in double A. I hit two walls to the warning track, so I thought I was awesome, you know. <laughs> So that, that year ended really good, had a great year, was healthy, ended the year healthy, came back the next year, it started in AAA Las Vegas, and uh, had a really, really, you know, it was probably the best I've ever pitched in my life. You know, that's a really hard league to pitch in. And for half a season, I think I pitched to like a 2.2 URA in the, in the PCL for like 90 innings. And I got called up that year in 2015, and – you know, I was throwing so well in AAA, they were trying to save my innings because they knew I was probably going to get called up. So I'd be at like 75 pitches in seven innings, 75 pitches in six innings, and they would pull me. Wow. And so I got called up to the major leagues in June, June 28, 2015. And, um, you know, I threw 110 pitches. And, you know, <laughs> adrenaline and everything. And so I was used to throwing 75 pitches. And so <laughs> – had a partial tear to my lap my first game in the major oh leagues. Oh my god. And so I was, you know, I was pitching and uh, you know, I was uh, the next game I went out my lap was just hurting and hurting me. And I actually I went through uh, six shutout innings in, in LA but my lap was just not feeling right. So two starts in the big leagues, shut down. Then I got called, or I got sent to Fort St. Lucie back to do more rehab, which I'm pretty accustomed to at this point. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, came back, had uh, four more starts in the big leagues, and then we made the playoffs. And so, boom, I was pitching game four of every series in the playoffs. You know, I was able to pitch the clinching game of the, um, the NLCS against the Cubs at Wrigley Field, which was awesome. And then got to pitch game four of the World Series. We lost that game. Uh, but and so that was a wild year, uh, and then uh, just been big league since. Had another elbow surgery at the end of 2016. Had another elbow surgery at the end of 2017. Got both of those years cut short, and then uh, 2018, 2019 had 30 plus starts or 30 starts in each of those uh, seasons. So, wow, well, that's my journey. That's that's a great journey. Obviously, a lot of struggle there, like like I like we were talking about. It's not an easy path for anyone that's you know wants to be a professional football player. But uh, for you, it happened really quick. I got some questions just listening to your yeah. story. First of all, were growing up, were you a Mets or a Yankees fan? You got <laughs> to be honest. So being honest, as I got drafted, I was more of a Mets fan. All right, but when <laughs> I got drafted, it was like. Hey, are you a Mets fan? I was like, yeah, I love the Mets. And then it was like, oh, he's a Mets fan, diehard Mets fan. And, you know, at the end of the day, my family were really the bigger Mets fans. I was such a baseball fan. It was like I would look, watch players and I'd like get attached to that team. And then, you know, I watch another player. And I'm like, oh, I want to watch them. You know, I was a huge Vladimir Guerrero fan. And so I loved watching the Angels because I could watch this guy throw people out from the warning track and hit a ball that bounced in the dirt. So, you know, at the end of the day, I was – a little bit more of a fickle sports fan. <laughs> well, my Aunt Wendy is a huge Mets fan. So oh, I just wow. want to give Aunt Wendy a shout out right now. And uh, she actually is still up there in Long Island in New High Park. We're trying to get oh. them to move down here to Florida. So um, if you could say hi to Aunt Wendy and tell her she needs to get down to Florida for us. Aunt Wendy, you got to get down to Florida. We'll come watch some spring training games. There we go. I'll bring her to a spring training game. There we go. All right. <laughs> Um, and then my other question was you, this happened pretty quickly. Like you said, you were in high school the first time at that showcase throwing 86, 87. And then by that next year you were topping out at 95. What, what did you do? Like, how did you get there? Like what happened? Yeah. Well, what's crazy thing is, is like, I didn't really know anything back then, you know? Um, so I, I didn't really do anything. I, I just remember, um, you know, I would just rest and then throw my arm would just be hanging like, Oh, arms killing me. 
And then I would just be like, I'm not picking up a ball for seven days. And then I would throw. And then it would just be this vicious cycle. And, you know, in all honesty, I think what happened was I just grew. I gained strength. Um, I did a lot of pitching lessons as I was young. But, you know, from my senior year of high school to, like, when I actually started pitching in professional baseball, I finally figured out, like, what it takes to, one, stay healthy, you know, proper mechanics to where I'm not just – you know, rocking and firing where I can have a clean delivery that can, you know, kind of keep me sustainable. So honestly, back then I didn't know anything. I didn't, I didn't have any routine. I didn't, I knew general mechanics from what I learned, but it was just throw as hard as I can and ice my arm. So was there, so was there any program programming that you've been on uh, either then like beforehand then, or even now later, uh, you know, towards where we're at currently um, yeah. Or was it all kind of like just picking little things here and there and growing and learning and trying different things and kind of building your own philosophy along the way? Yeah. So back when I was in high school, you know, my, my arm hurt a lot in high school. Like I didn't even pitch my sophomore year because my arm, I think from all the growing, I think my arm, so I didn't really do anything. My arm was killing me then. I didn't even pitch. I just played first. My junior year, I only threw 15 innings in high school because my arm was hurt. And then my senior year, you know, I did some physical therapy and I realized, okay, this stuff start actually starting to help. And what I really learned the most is those two years when I had Tommy John coming back from that, that's when I started actually building a routine. And, you know, I started just kind of picking and learning what works for me, what makes me feel good and just running, running with it, you know? And so at this point now, I feel like I have my routine down pretty good. There was a time, you know, earlier in my major league career where I would do way too much and by the time I'd be out pitching I'd be fatigued and so it's picking and choosing you know what what helps what works band exercises you know isometrics um, you know too much not too much stretching but enough stretching to gain your um, you know your mobility back um, conditioning running stuff like that let me ask you this I hear this all the time with uh, parents and young players yeah. like I'm just gonna go get Tommy John because you come back throwing way faster after Tommy John. You attribute any to anything to having the surgery? Like, do you wish, obviously you're doing well, so it wasn't a, a detriment, a huge detriment to you, hmm. but do you, do you believe, what, what's your belief about having the surgery? Is it more of the uh, rehab that you did afterward and understanding that routine that really got you back? Or was it the actual surgery? What's your stance on that one? Yeah, my stance is definitely it's the routine, it's the it's the rehab. It's I never knew what any of these little exercises were, getting these little muscles and everything in, in order. I never knew any of that. And so by the time after two years of doing it, I actually did throw harder. I remember one of my first games where I, my elbow was finally starting to feel better. I was throwing I, I think I hit ninety seven. I never hit ninety seven in my life and you know, but it wasn't from, you know, getting a tendon replaced in my elbow you know it was two years of learning my body um, working on mechanics during that time try to clean up my delivery and um, a lot of it was attributed to uh, the, the rehab that I did you know being you know in shape properly not the right way so right so if, for any of you guys listen out there you could do this the same exercises that Matt was doing before you get hurt and just call it prehab instead of rehab. And, you know, chances are you may not get hurt or at least be bet in a better place to where you not get hurt and see the benefits of the velocity increases. Yeah. So take it, take it upon yourself now to put in that work. Um, and there, I'm sure, you know, there, there's stuff online on Tommy John rehab. Like you can look it up for free, I'm sure. And it's going to give you some great ideas on exercises and things like that. Um, what, what have you topped out since then? Like what's your fastest? Ever. I think, you know, it was 2013 that year. I think it was 98 was the highest. But in the big leagues, I think it was it was 97. But now, you know, after a few surgeries and, and stuff like that, you know, I think that I generally – I think I average like 93 is my average. So Nice. Now, I, I'm going to tell you a little story about my perspective on you in – I don't know if it was spring training or we were both rehabbing together. Cause I, I had hurt my shoulder at the time. Um, and I remember we were doing a drill. You remember those softballs that they had, they were like brag balls or whatever. So we were hanging out together and um, every day we were going to, I remember going to friendlies all the time. How many times did we go to friendlies at? 
too much. <laughs> and that, uh, Reese's peanut butter cup Sunday, like every other day, I think we went. <laughs> that thing. But I remember we were doing that competition in uh, at Port St. Lucie, and whoever it was, I forget who it was, was smashing balls at us, and it was like a knockout competition. Yeah. And I don't think I have I ever saw you pitch. Yeah, uh, I never saw you pitch at that point. Uh, just hanging out with you, I saw you crushing Reese's peanut butter Sundays and building uh, ground balls. And I remember seeing you. You won the competition, and there was dudes yeah. like me. I was almost probably thirty years old at the time. You know, in Double A, and you know, had uh, six, five, six years of pro experience at the time. And you were just coming in as uh, you know, a young. You were eighteen years old, maybe nineteen years old at the time with all these dudes and we were trying to beat you, you know, everyone's trying to beat bats. You know, the young guy, the second round draft pick new stud <laughs> on the block. And you came in there and I just remember you being so competitive in a good way, not a bad way. You were always smiling and stuff, but you kicked our butts. And I was like, <laughs> I remember that day. And I was like, this dude is going to be a big leaguer. He's got it. He's got what it takes. And I never saw you throw a pitch <laughs> fielding those little rag balls. But I just remember that thought, like, man, this kid's got it. This kid's going to do really well. And that was, that was my perspective on you. You know what's funny is, you know who was hitting those balls was Donovan Mitchell's dad. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And he was That's smoking like, them. Smoking. Yeah, smoking. Donovan Mitchell, who plays for the Utah Jazz, you know, won the dunk competition and everything. That was his dad hitting those, hitting those he balls. Such, he, he was such a cool dude. Yeah. Uh-huh. He was so cool. Um, who else from that – from that uh, group, are you still around? Do you still uh, talk with or are still playing? I don't know. I haven't really kept up. <laughs> I know. So I, I do talk with John Holtzcomb every once in a while. Big Johnny. I love that he, guy, man. Down in Florida. He's doing good. Um, uh, I talk with big Scott Mobile every once in a while. Um, Dotson every once in a while. Uh, those, uh, those guys, um, um, Mobile and Holtzcomb, I kept up with Holtzcomb for a couple of years. I haven't talked to him in maybe two or three years. Now I got to get back in touch with him. Love that guy. But I remember Mobile and um, uh, Holdscomb. That to this day, they I remember them whenever we would you know go hang out somewhere or anything in a big group of people. They, they would always do this thing where they like call someone across the room. They didn't know anyone across the room. <laughs> they were both huge, right? They were like yeah. six, seven, six, eight. Yeah. But like they stand out in a crowd already. And then yeah. they're just going like this. They look all the way across the room. And they're like, hey, hey, hey. And then, like, you know, people would be like, who, me? Who? <laughs> like, yeah, you, 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 you. Uh. And they're like, and they're like, they had no clue. They were, you know, they were just messing with people. And people would come yeah. over and talk, start, they would start walking over to come talk to them. And then Mobile and Holtzcomb would just walk past them. Like, they're still talking to someone over there. It was the funniest thing ever. <laughs> I tell my wife about it all the time. It's, it's hilarious, but. Yeah, those, those guys are cool dudes. Man, I miss Dotson, too. I got to get up with him. Yeah. Who else was in that room that we were hanging out with? Um, was it Daryl Sicilian? He might have been after. Yeah. Daryl Sicilian. Uh -huh. um, Jeff Glenn, maybe? No. I don't know if you remember. Yeah. Jimmy Johnson. Uh -huh. Jimmy Johnson. He was around. Oh, yeah, Jimmy Johnson. He was going, just getting out as I was coming in, though. Yeah. Uh, that, was, that was some fun times. You remember uh, – People chat or chat roulette. <laughs> uh, so for people who don't know what that is, it's basically like a website. I don't even know if it's still around, but it's a website where you get on and then these random people show up in front of you and you could like talk to them or they could skip you or you could skip them and go to the next people. And it was <laughs> hilarious. Some of the things we would see there and we were just messing around and, and well, it was just so much fun. That was fun. <laughs> yeah, uh, oh sorry let me let me ask you this um when i was looking up your name to do <laughs> to do some research <laughs> on you uh i always called you max or m dog we called each other m dog uh, <laughs> and then so i was searching steve mats and i see everything coming up steven mats uh -huh. um, and uh -huh. then i saw a nickname as rend so what do you go by do you go by steve steven what is rend uh, okay I'm going to call you M-Dog or Matt's, but <laughs> let us know the rest. So, uh, I, like, growing up, I think a lot was called me Steve. You know, my, my parents called me Steve, you know. And then uh, when I got married, my wife, she called, always called me Steve. And her family calls me Steven. And so, 
it's just been this big blend of Steve and Steve and old and new. And then I don't know where Rend came from, but I think it's it's Reno. Maybe oh, what you're thinking. No. Oh, so there was a mistype online. Oh, wow. Yeah, so, they had you as they had you as R E N D. Oh, okay. What's Reno? Okay. Reno. So what happened was, um, you know, on Players Weekend, you do the nicknames and stuff. And so my dad and my uncle, when I was when I was young, they would always call me Steve Reno. And then my nickname became Reno. And so I figured, you know, for my dad and my uncle, you know, I'll do, uh, you know, I'll do Reno on the back of my jersey. And so that's, it's not really a nickname anymore. But that's just kind of, I was just kind of like, you know, doing it for them. But that's where that came. Well, you'll always be M Dog to me. <laughs> um, hey, do you have a ball by you by chance? I can grab one really quick. Please? Yeah, I'll go get one. Here we go. Is your uh, is your wife from Tennessee? Yeah, uh, she's from Alabama, actually. Oh, okay. Is she a, a Alabama girl or an Auburn girl? Oh, she's Alabama. Her oh, dad went man. went there. I'm sorry. Can you tell her John Manigat says a big war eagle when you get still <laughs> <laughs> source effect from this winter? <laughs> hey, you're you're um. You're a little country now. I'm not gonna lie, man. You got like a little little country look too. You got a little slang in you too, dude. I, I it's kind of embarrassing to say that, but like it rubs off on me, and I feel like I'm a chameleon because like, you know, people are like, "Oh, you got southern accent." I'm like, I didn't, I didn't notice it, but I guess guess you're right. <laughs> I don't want to be that way, you know. I got to be true to who I am, but at the end of the day, <laughs> just happens. Hey, it's a good look on you. Do do what you're doing. Um, all right, so I wanted you to get a ball. Um, can you show us your pitches that you throw, how you grip them, and what you're trying to do to the ball, how you're trying to make it move, and yep. what you're trying to accomplish? Yep. So, um, actually, I've been learning a lot this spring from all that new technology with the Rap Soto um, with our new pitcher coach and stuff. So, this here is my, my two-seamer going right across the seams like this. Um, and, actually, you know, this, this pitch normally is – two-seamer it's supposed to run to my arm side or sink more but for whatever reason learning from the rap soto and you know the information coming back is uh my dog's gonna try to try to get the ball <laughs> it's got bite marks all bite marks all over the ball <laughs> so anyway this this pitch plays more straight um surprisingly and so i didn't know that i always thought you know it's gonna go run to my arm side but um, this pitch plays more straight. And so my four-seamer, let's see if I can get it. Uh, the horseshoe going this way, I come across like this. This pitch plays, it actually runs more, which is so strange because, you know, four-seam, I normally, I always throw it to my glove side. So inside to a right-hander. My two-seam, I always throw it uh, away to a right-hander, right-handed hitter. And so now I'm starting to realize, well, if this pitch is run, my four seam is running. This is something that I was working on in spring and I'm trying to throw it inside to a righty. Well, you know, I, I give up a lot of, I, I get hurt a lot with home runs. You know, I give up a fair amount of home runs. And if I didn't, my numbers would be way less. And so this pitch, if I'm trying to go into a righty, it's going to run back over the plate. And so what I was playing with this spring is taking my two seamer and pounding it into a righty because it plays more straight so I can stick it in there more. And so that was something that I've been, I've been working on. Um, and it actually, it was working a lot for me. It's pretty cool. So that new technology, which at first I was kind of against, actually was helping me out. So anyway, my, uh, I also throw a, a four-seam change-up, circle change-up. So same way as I would throw my four-seam fastball right here, I take my ring finger and my middle finger and go across and hold it pretty loosely, and I kind of make a – little bit of a, a loose circle right here and as I throw it you want to think I try to think um, fastball 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 but also as it comes off I want it to have like side spin so it goes straight down um, you know sometimes if I kind of push it like this 
you know, and try to help it be a change up. It's generally up in the zone, more flat. Um, and it doesn't have that, that depth that I want to where it looks like a fastball and then just kind of, like they say, pull the string, you know, it drops off the table. And the batter's uh, seeing a lot of palm coming too. Exactly. Yeah. It's like, and then it, I, I try to help it. My shoulders fly open instead of staying behind it and through it and letting the grip do the work. Um, so that's my changeup. Um, that's, that pitch has really developed for me lately. It's been a, it's really helped me this spring, especially it was like, it was almost like turning into a strikeout pitch. Um, so, but generally, usually I want to get back in counts with it, you know, two, one, two, Oh, you know, second, third time around, you know, float a change up in there and hope to get a, you know, an early swing, maybe a ground ball or something, get them out in front. Um, so that's, that's the idea with that pitch is just to get them off my fastball. Um, next one I throw is a curveball, And so horseshoe going this way here, come right across. And I kind of like almost, you know, wrench my, I want a lot of pressure on this seam right here. My thumb, sometimes I mix around with where my thumb's at. Sometimes I like to move it up a little bit and I feel like I can throw it harder and it doesn't, uh, let's see, it doesn't pop out, you know? And so this, and actually, I didn't know I, I did this until I got to the, the big leagues where there was like pictures of me pitching or video. And I actually spiked my finger a little bit um, like this here. And so it's not a full spike, but it's just really putting all the pressure on, on this scene right here. Um, and so I mix around with my curveball. And actually, last year, I started throwing slow curveball, which you know, it sounds crazy, but even if I slow up my arm, I'm not too worried about it. The more, the more thing I'm worried about is just I want to bounce this thing on the corner, in the back corner of the plate. And so, second or third time through the lineup, I want to like try to throw a curveball that's a lot slower that they recognize. And you know, I actually I, I was working on my live DP the other day, and what happened was I just I think of just picking my foot up and getting it down, and then just pulling the front of it down, and, and not even worrying if I slow my arm down. I want them to see curveball and it hit the plate and then just like kind of be like, Oh, I had it. And, but no, it's, it's not getting quite getting there. What do you, are you and throwing so, that like sub 70? Like you throwing that in the sixties? Yeah. The goal is like low seventies, even below, but in the season with the adrenaline, it was like 73 or 72. And so um, it, it's not a, a the curveball that I, I always want to throw for strikeouts and stuff, but I want to show them it to keep it in their mind and think that they're on the curveball and then this, this never gets there. And then the other curveball, which was a little bit harder, I'll normally mess around with my thumb. I'll, I'll put it up on the ball, and I'll just really try to pull the front of the ball down. Just rip it, you know. And this pitch, where I get hurt with this one, gets up in the zone. So it's the same thing. I just want to keep this pitch down in the zone. Um, and then the last pitch I throw, which I, I'm getting away from it a little bit. It's really effective for me. What happens, it gives me a blister like right, right on the corner of my finger. And it is such a nag to pitch with. I mean, last year um, it was like bleeding during the game and I'd have to glue it in between innings, but it's a slide. It's good. It's like, it's like a cutter really more than a slider. And uh, it started as kind of throwing it the same way as, as my curveball, but um, I actually would put my thumb way up here. This is how DeGrom and Syndergaard and them throw their slider. They actually put their thumb way up here wow. and they just think, fastball and as they throw it it kind of the thumb kind of helps it just come off like this and you know they throw their slider 93 94 miles per hour um and actually i think wheeler throws his like this too and uh and so it's more like a cutter it, it doesn't have too much depth but it's just like fastball and just last second um i actually change my grip mess around with it and so if you look at it like a two seam i kind of come across here and kind of come across it like this. And so really all I'm thinking of is I'm not trying to you know, curve it or anything. I'm just thinking pull straight through the ball and the way my grip is, it's going to come off that way. And this pitch really, I it got, it gets, doesn't have a lot of depth to it. It's kind of more horizontal, but really I, a lot of my stuff, you know, like my, my four seams going that way. My two seams is more straight, but still going arm side. So my slider, um, I just want it to come in at right. That's, that's really all I care about. I don't care if it has too much depth. I want them coming in at them so they can't stay on my stuff going away like my changeups. That's kind of the whole arsenal. I got two questions for you. Um, okay. First of all, are you allowed to pitch with your wedding ring on? <laughs> no, uh, I don't think I, I don't think they would let. Me. So uh, right. I, I take it. 
fake it off during the games. Um, and then uh, do you, this is a weird question. Do you throw with it on during practice? I'm just wondering like how it affects you or do you take it off always when you throw it? Whenever I throw them. Yeah. Um, the other thing is uh, you mentioned the grip pressures on your changeup, your curveballs, and your slider. What about the, the two seam and the four seam? What is your pressure? Like how, how tight are you holding it? Um, I feel like I'm holding a medium pressure. Um, you know, not too loose. I know DeGrom holds his pitches really loose. Really? And maybe I'm something there. But for me, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of medium. Medium. Not, I don't, I'm, if I squeeze the ball, I get in trouble, you know. And where's your arm angle at? Uh, my arm angles, um, you know, what's funny is it actually changes a little bit. But it's, it's pretty much like a high three-quarters type of arm slot, you know, pretty high three-quarters. But – you know, it's funny. Our pitching coach, one thing is like, you know, during the season, as you know, um, John, that our arms are not going to feel great every every time we go out, and so your body just naturally adjusts to what what you do. And instead of having focus on a repeatable delivery, um, you know, your body just gets it done because you got no other no other choice. So um, that was something that you know, being having a consistent delivery, but focus so much on repeatable delivery, you can get a little mechanical. So it's more about being an athlete, you know. That's that's a great – I never heard that before, but that makes a lot of sense because I've, what I've heard before was your body naturally wants to accomplish the goal that you're putting in front of it. So if you're sore or whatever and you can't find what your repeatable delivery is or natural or where you normally are, but you still got to get got big league guys out. You got to find a way. You got to figure it out some way to get it done. That makes a lot of sense. I love that because I always heard like you, you know, you want to have a repeatable mechanic, repeatable, right. repeatable, repeatable. Yeah. But sometimes it doesn't feel good to be there. No, no, right. yeah. To get it done, whatever it takes. And you know what? That's what I learned a lot from watching Stroman this year. You know, he's really quirky. He's funky. All he cares about is like his, his balance like in his core and just being like an athlete. And so like DeGrom is a, like an insane athlete. And so like, I think, I think that's like more important is like once you, you know, for, well, first for young kids, it's, it's about, you know, finding a, a, de a delivery that you can put your arm in good positions and all that. But at the end of the day, like the better the athlete you are, I think the better you're, you're, you're going to pitch. That's so, so. that's so true. And, by the way, pitchers are the best athletes on the field out there. It's, 100%. That's proven. Yeah. <laughs> we prove it every day. <laughs> Let me ask you this. Who, if, who is Matt's going out to dinner with on the Mets? Like, who are your boys? Like, who, you know, who, yeah. who are the guys you're hanging with outside of the field? I know uh -huh. you're a family man. I know you're going, going home to the, to, to the family. But uh, when, you get, when you get to go get a dinner or a day off, who are you hanging out with? Yeah, so um, DeGrom, me and DeGrom, um, you know, I think it was after you left the Mets, DeGrom came in and, uh, you know, we went through, I went through my second year of rehab with, and so 2011, me and DeGrom became like really good friends. And so he's, he's one of my best friends, you know, like I was in his wedding, he was in my wedding, you know, and so he's my, he's my guy there. He's, we're pretty, we're pretty close. Very nice. Now, I want to talk a little bit about mindset when it comes to pitching. Is there anything that you do, like visualization or any tips or tricks that you have for the mindset you have to when pitching in the big leagues? Yeah, and so, you know, this is something that I would say came a little later for me. Um, in the minor leagues, once I actually got started pitching, I didn't really have too many failures. Like, I've had bad games, but I threw pretty well, you know. Like, I never had over a three or eight throughout my minor league stint, so it's like, it just kind of came a little bit more easy where it was just like, just pitch and get it done and everything. And then once you get to the big leagues story. And so then you, you know, it, wow, this is half the battle is between the ears, you know? And so um, we had some, some pretty cool, um, you know, mental skills coaches and stuff. And I've learned a lot from them. And this guy now is talking a lot about visualization he has a lot of different stuff like that. Um, and a lot of it is just like watching highlights of yourself before you go out and throw a bullpen, you know, and seeing the success, you know, because all of a sudden when, when failure comes, it's like you start doubting everything. It's like, 
everything that you've done, all of a sudden you have one bad game, big leagues or two bad games or three bad games and you start doubting everything. So doing that kind of mental rehearsal and actually seeing it, um, it actually helps a lot. Um, another thing that actually helped me a lot, I don't know if this, this is kind of a mindset is uh, Mickey Calloway, our, our manager last year, who's pitching coach. He, um, you know, for me, I, I'm really competitive, like you said, but sometimes to a fault where in game, everything speeds up. Like I start squeezing the ball and I just want to get the pitch and go and go and go. And so what happened um, was he's, he's like, get an in-between pitch routine. And so it was something really subtle that took like no time at all. And I would step behind the mound. Like I'd get the ball. I'd, it would be like one and a half seconds. I'd kind of tuck my glove, fix my hat, and then step back on the mound. And that was something that I could control every time. Whether what was happening, I can control this right here. And then that's getting me ready for the next pitch. Because that's at the end of the day, all that matters is what you're about to do next, you know. And so I think that actually really helped me let the game not speed up um, and kind of, you know, focus on what's next at hand is, I guess it's kind of a mindset, but also building the routine, you know. I love that the watching yourself have success. Like, so you, do you have like a highlight reel that you look at like before some games? So I used to look at um, the world series game. I have an iPad and it's just like, I don't watch the game, but just like, you know, um, we have this pro. And so I used to always go back to that because I felt like my stuff was really crisp. And, I, you know, in the World Series on the biggest stage, I used to watch that game a lot. And then now, you know, some of these guys, their their job is to make us these high that we can watch, you know, getting different guys out, maybe guys in our division or whoever. So, yeah, it's been cool. That's really cool. But I, I was big on visualization always growing up. My dad was. He, was not, he wasn't a baseball player. He played high school football. But for some reason, he was – he knew about visualization. He taught it to me. And so I would always imagine who I was pitching against that next day and, and see myself, force myself to have success against those guys before it happened in my head. So I was like seeing myself strike out those guys before it happened. But this makes it so much easier because that's tough, like to, to make yourself to see them. And the more real I can make it, the more, the more um, like even adding colors into my vision and, and, having that visceral feeling in my body, the more mm -hmm. it was true and the more success I had, but seeing it on tape like that is, um, it's, that, that seems, that's a great piece of advice. I'm going to start using, yeah. I'm feeling that from you or, or yeah. whoever you got it from. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, you got, you got a couple more minutes or you got to yep. go. Okay. No, a couple more. Yeah. Um, what about advice to parents of players, young players, who aspire to be professional pitchers? Like what, do uh, you got any advice for the parents? Yeah, I think uh, one is, and this, I don't have kids yet, and but it's something that I hear is, you know, the parents, oh, they get crazy with it. You got to be on this travel, like this travel, yeah, yeah. you know, I didn't get seen until I was going into my senior year. And so I think having the, taking the pressure off, having to, be on this travel team or this select team or whatever, just don't burn your kid out, you know? And I think um, try to get him, encourage him to do other sports. This way he can be a really good, well-rounded athlete. Um, I think, you know, me playing basketball and hockey and, um, you know, soccer when I was young and, and stuff like that. I mean, ultimately, I was obsessed with baseball. So that's all I wanted to do, really. But I think all that other stuff just helped me become a well-rounded athlete, which in turn helps me now, you know, carry those, those skill sets I learned from little to now. So I think uh, don't put the pressure on that you got to – don't let any coach um, say your kid's got to be on this so he can get seen at college when he's, you know, 12 or 13. That's, that's false. You know, just let them be a good athlete. Let them enjoy it. Let them learn competition. And then uh, I think, I think uh, as he gets closer and through high school, he'll, he'll get found out. Well, I just like I knew that you were going to be a great big league pitcher from your ground balls. I know that you're going to be a great dad. I can tell <laughs> already. Uh, you're just an all-around great dude. How were your parents with you coming up? Yeah, I think uh, we were kind of caught off guard. You know, because my brother didn't, you know, my brother stopped playing middle school baseball. I mean, nobody in my family played baseball. So it was just like, 
I'm obsessed with it. And so they wanted to just, you know, as probably you would want to do for your son, like just want to do what your son likes. And so they, I was begging my dad to take me to the field. And then, so once we got to high school, I remember like, they were just like ecstatic doing scouts in our house every day. Like, this is insane. Like what happened? <laughs> so it was, it was pretty cool. Um, we, uh, yeah, they just, my dad enjoyed watching me play and stuff. So. Well, M dog, I appreciate your time, man. Uh, yeah. you are the man. We're, I'm going to watch you, uh, more this season. If we get a season, hopefully we get a season. What are your thoughts? Are you think we're going to get a season here or you think it's, uh, uh we're going to skip this? I'm back and forth. I'm, I think I'm hopeful that we'll get a season. And I, I would like to get back out there and play, but you just, you just don't know, you know, right now it's hard to say, but hopefully the whole country as a whole in this coronavirus, we can start getting on the other end of this thing and then it will look better, you know? Yeah. That's, that's probably the most important thing is making sure everybody's safe and healthy. And, and then, uh, and then we can get back to real life and get some baseball in, in our life. You know, it's funny real quick before we end, uh, Last year, I watched one game, one baseball game, huh? and my brother-in-law called me, and he says, uh, Mets versus Braves, and Matt uh -huh. is fishing. Why don't you come over? I was like, all right. I came over, watched the game, and Donaldson was playing for the Braves. I went to Auburn with Donaldson, yeah. uh -huh. and so uh, I watched you pitch against them, and you struck them out. And it was, oh. uh, you know, it was, this, uh, it was this weird thing where, you know, I wanted you both to succeed. Uh, and I was happy when you struck him out and then sad that he struck out. It was this weird combination, you know, but it was, it was totally cool. So that was the only game that I watched this year or last year, but I, I, I want to keep up with you better this year. Again, thank you so much. You are the man. Um, for those of you watching again, leave your comments down below. Let us know your story, some of the struggles that you're going through in baseball or in general, in regular life. Um, and I'm going to, I'm going to buy 10 of those shirts. Let me know your size. Let me know which one of the shirts you want, the black one or the, the white one, uh, or, or it comes in gray as well. Just let me know what you, what you want, what size you are. And I'll order it from the website and get it shipped straight to your house. I'm going to pick 10 of you guys. Um, you know, if you don't win, go support the, the website anyway. I love what Max is doing. I love what you're doing, man. I appreciate everything you've done. You've been super cool. And, uh, I hope to catch up with you, uh, soon. Awesome. Thanks, M-Dog. Maybe we'll get some ice cream one day. Hey, <laughs> yes, we have to. We have, I'm, still, I'm still crushing it. My weight's a lot higher than what it used to be. <laughs> uh, let me tie this off here. Hold on.